Hi, I'm Audra. And I'm Sadie. And we are former English lit majors and sisters who miss reading and discussing literature with fellow lit nerds. And we created this podcast to discuss literature fueled by libations. So pick your poison and join us each week to discuss all the queries and views unearthed in great books. And support your local bookstore. everybody to Lit Libations. It's been a little while. We are back from our busy holiday yes. break. Hope you all had lovely holidays. Hi, Sadie. Hi, Audra. I'm so happy to be back I and know. talking. And also so excited about The Book of Goose by Yoon Lee. I loved um, this novel. So too. this is a supersized episode. We're just going to talk about the book um, the as a whole. Uh, because it's we've been off for a little bit and I just want to talk about the whole thing it's just great so a little yeah. bit of a super size episode and then our next two episodes will be back to kind of what we do regularly and we'll split up our next book into two parts so Sadie do you want to let everybody know what our next novel will be yes so our next book is going to be The Furrows by Namwali Serpel. Did I say that correct? I probably butchered the first name. Um, I think so. That's what I would say. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, yes. That Anyway, that's going to be our next book. I've heard really great things. It's a pretty new release. Um, yeah. I'm excited about this because on if you have not read The Old Drift, I, which I have immediately. Not, which I have not. So, it's yeah. Fabulous. It is in my top 10 books now. Oh, wow. Like, okay. It is so good. I loved, loved, loved The Old Drift. So totally recommend that by her. And I'm excited because I had a copy. You told me that this is what you wanted to do. And mm-hmm. I had a copy from when we went to Boston. And Namwali Serpel is currently a professor of literature at Harvard. So when we were at the Harvard bookstore, I picked up a copy of it there because it was signed. So That's I have crazy. my signed copy, which I'm so excited about. So well, yes, I wish I'd known about it when local bookstore. I, I wish I'd known about it when we went there so that I I could have gotten myself one, but I didn't even like read about it until after. And I know this this um book, I haven't started it yet, so don't shoot me. Um but I okay. know that um it has been on a lot of people's top yes. 10 lists for this year and I've heard really good things. I won't say anything specific because I've finished it and I don't want to spoil anything for you and I want you to have your own but I did like it very much I'm excited to discuss it um and then I'm excited to talk about it in relation to the old drift but yeah so definitely go pick up a copy from your local bookstore go to bookshop.org um and get reading because we will be discussing that on the next two episodes yes um and then I don't think we have anything else to really go over so before we get into it what are Mm-mm. what are you drinking this evening what are you what's your libation so for Christmas um two of our really good friends sent us a bottle of Madame Paterini gin which is one of our favorite gins based out of Utah mm-hmm. um I just love like the story of this gin and the marketing for it is really clever. So I like, have you ever seen Madame Paterini? Yeah. Like, have you it is, at it? it is good. I like their, it, yeah, I like their it's, aesthetic. It's so good. So the Madame Paterini that it's like named after and the woman on the bottle is actually one of Brigham Young's grandchildren who was of the foremost drag queen of Salt Lake City in like the 1920s. And I just, I love that whole concept and idea so i i'm obsessed with it and it's actually really really good gin as well so anyway they sent us a bottle so i made myself a gin and pink lemonade and um cointreau and like lime juice drink and it's really cute and it's like a really pretty baby pink color from the pink lemonade and it's really good anyway what are you that sounds delicious thank you so i made so i muddled some some strawberries And then I used some uh, lemon lavender syrup that I was given as part of a Christmas gift. Yum. And muddled that all up together. And then I did half of a lemon juice in there. And I added an ounce of vodka that uh, was also a gift. And Mm -hmm. then topped it with Prosecco. Oh, yum. Oh, my God. That makes me feel like I'm on a patio in the height of summer and like there are birds buzzing around my like that feels like spring to me that sounds so good 
I love it. And then I got these cute little, you know, cocktail spears for Christmas too. Nice. So I've got strawberries and a Luxaro cherry on there just for shits and giggles. And it's in this really cute um, Collins glass that I got in Maui where I got to go recently. I was very happy to be there um, before Christmas. And it's got, it's like got the islands outline in gold, oh, which is very pretty. little. So yeah, so I love a cute glass as well. Yours is also very pretty. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I don't have a cute garnish, but the color itself okay. of the drink is kind of sometimes all you need. It's a, it's a cute drink. It's cute. Tastes good. Did too. you make it yourself or did or did your... Uh, what do you think? Brosecco make it. I think <laughs> my, he made it. My Brosecco made it. <laughs> yeah, I think he made it. Inside joke. Someone saw a meme after Sadie got engaged that was something like, it's only your... What did it say? Fiance, if it comes if it comes from, from the fiance the... region of France or something like that. Yeah. Otherwise, it's your otherwise bro-seco. he's just a brosecco. Yeah. So, <laughs> Brian is our brosecco. I don't know how he feels about that, but that's what he is. I think he feels just fine about it. He knows okay, his well, job. He knows his contribution. Yeah, to be the butt of some jokes a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's his role. Um. Okay, so should we get into it? Yeah. So, okay. So first I just have to ask, how obsessed are you with her writing? And also, did you like do any research into Yan Lee? Yes. So I've written, I've, excuse me, I've read, um, some of Yan, some of Yan Lee. What is wrong with me? It's okay. It's, it's a, it like gets in the back of my mouth sometimes. It's like hard for me to say because usually we don't have like those consonants or syllables like all going after each other. It's Yan Lee. That's true. Yi Yun Lee. So I have, I read The Vagrants and I read Gold Boy Emerald Girl. Yes. And I really, really love her writing, but I was just super excited about this book. It's been on my mm-hmm. like list. Like I remember when it was, I saw this list about like new, you know, books mm-hmm. and have had it on here for a little while and have been really excited to read it. Um, but what I know you were all on board when I, I think I give you this and one other. I was like, I can't decide between these two and you- yeah. Went straight for the Yunli. So you tell me what attracted you. So where did you want to go that way? I read Gold Boy Emerald Girl, the short story collection, in mm-hmm. one of my contemporary lit classes in college, and you know how I talk all day long about how much I love George Saunders and how he wrote me an email and it was so sweet, right? So yes, it, that was the same class. I had read George Saunders for that class, and that is what led to me writing to him, and crazy we read gold boy emerald girl in that class and she had just barely i can't remember the title of the story but she had just released a new short story in the new yorker that we had read before we read the book and gotcha um, it what was crazy about it is that one of the students in the class around the same time that i actually had emailed george saunders so all of this like happened at the same time um he had gone to san francisco to just like for vacation it was for spring break or something like that and he walked past this like bookstore and we had just finished reading her stories and she was doing a reading in the bookstore and he was just walking past and so he went inside and he got to listen to her do this reading and she was really nice and then he asked her questions about like the story that had she had just published and um and she was she was like so thoughtful and she was so nice. But I also think just like her story and her writing is so interesting because um she's a native like Chinese speaker and yeah. but she like does not write in Chinese. In Chinese. Yeah. yeah. Like she it's almost like this it's like an exercise to her. Like she just doesn't write in Chinese. And um She's just interesting. And like, I really liked this book too, because so much of it is about writing. And it was just fun for me to think about the extra level of like work and intention that she puts into her writing because she's constantly like translating and like writing it in a different language. It's just her thought process is really impressive to me. So I've, I've just always had a bit of like a writer crush on her because I think she's just the coolest. Yeah. She's fabulous. I, loved this book. This is my favorite of what I've read. And Mm -hmm. I already, like I went the day after Christmas and got books with gift cards, right. From King's English and they were having a big sale. And I picked up, uh, one other Yi Yun Lee and I've got like three others that are ordered. Like, 
Yeah, I loved loved this book. Okay. Um, yeah, should we talk about just like generally what the book is about before we dig into it? Yeah, so kind of simplify it, but uh, it's mostly about two childhood best friends, Agnes and Fabian. And when we meet Agnes, she is um, married, living in America. She's married in America, married to an American. She's living mm-hmm. kind of some farm life. And she's, you know, the how others look at her as the sophisticated French bride. Yeah. Um, but there's obviously a lot of like in you in her life. And she learns from her mother that her childhood best friend Fabian has died. But we don't know more than that. And so then it's kind of this now looking back on their time together and what that was like. And they grew up, you know, in kind of, in kind of a provincial French town after the war, like kind of during, like it's in the fifties. Yeah. Like early Um, fifties, 52, 53, I think. Yeah. And they basically kind of start this literary, I don't want to say hoax, but like Fabian comes up with these stories and Agnes writes them down Mm-hmm. and they have help from someone uh, from a man in the village who we'll talk more about. And then Agnes kind of goes to Paris as the representative, as the novelist, yeah. even though she's like part of a team, but she goes as the representative and she goes to Paris and her, her stories are widely acclaimed and they're very, it's basically all about the death that they're surrounded by in their daily mm-hmm. life. And it's uh, particularly with children. And then she, Agnes gets, pick to like go to this British boarding school they're going to turn her into something so then it's about her life there while still maintaining this relationship with Fabian they write each other letters they invent a suitor for Agnes mm-hmm. to write to that Fabian responds as um and then her life afterwards when she returns home and um and then a little bit of kind of I don't know the end results of all of that and yeah it, it's just it's so good I love the themes and discussion regarding like literature and reality and like why we read fiction because I've heard some like I've read some interesting comments from people who like do not read fiction yeah like they read a lot but they don't read fiction and it's kind of a very pointed like fiction isn't Mm -hmm. reality is kind of the point like there's enough it's like, why like there's would I enough waste real shit going on. on. Yes. Yes. Like it, it, there's and definitely an attitude about it. Like, I just don't have the time. Like it's silliness, you know, it's almost like treated like silly yes. and that it's frivolous. And, oh, it, like I've gotten responses from people sometimes when I tell them how much I love reading and like reading fiction, it's almost like, oh, you must have so much spare time on your hands that you have, right. you could possibly dedicate to fiction like when everything else is going on it's weird it's a weird there's like this weird almost like anti-fiction movement and I think Mm -hmm. it's part of it is like coupled in this like anti-intellectual movement in a way of just like that this is a it's a privilege which I'm not gonna of course it is a privilege like it's a privilege that I get that I know how to read you know when you think about other people but there is a weird yeah from other readers who just don't read fiction there's like a weird pointed criticism of fiction readers yes and I loved how kind of just this point of like it is all reality though like the line between fiction and reality is not this necessarily very strong demarcated line. Like mm-hmm. I, I think there's, let me see if I can see it. I think it's one of the ones I noted, but Agnes says something about the the reality that fits with it, but I'll find it. But anyway, I, I loved the part of it in the book. I loved the friendship between the two. I mean, it's very like, I mean, they're quite manipulative. They're kind of, you know, I mean, Fabian comes across as kind of feral. She does, you know, but I love her. I like, like her. she. She, comes she off lives. As, she's kind of mean. Like she goes. She kind of, but in a in a way that I still like care about and like her. But like she's just she's feral and like I think aggressive and pointed with like everything that she kind of does. Um, like I feel like half of her sentences start with like calling people or whoever she's talking to an idiot, and it's just funny to me. But it's also really yeah. kind of abrasive on the front well, because she she really is like feral and you get why like you know her she doesn't get to go to school she tends her farm animals all day while Mm -hmm. agnes still goes to school 
Her father and brothers are drunkards. Her mother isn't around, but we don't, like, that's never really explained. And her sister, her older sister, has died in childbirth. She met an American GI and mm. got pregnant, and she ended up dying in childbirth. And so, like, Fabian, no one, I mean. Well, and and it was a black American GI in, yes, like, that's true. 1950s yeah. France. And yes. she, well, and we find out that Fabian actually dies in childbirth, that that's right. how she that's dies, true. which so it like it kind of comes full circle. But she really doesn't have many options. And then people in town also like treat her like an animal um, and they kind of treat her like she's a bad influence and that um, like on Agnes. And yeah, she's just she's just not treated very well and she's also not a particularly from the way that it's written like a particularly attractive woman like she's very like young woman she's very like kind of boxy and square whereas like by the time they're 13 14 Agnes is kind of like filled out and like um seems she's more approachable for people right which is like a lot of the yeah it's part of the reason you know why Agnes is more charming. She's more, yeah, she's more attractive. She's more like, and, and she, no, she is her own. Yeah. And she's her own level of manipulation. Like she does better at reading what people want from her and being more willing to provide it versus Fabian knows what people want from her and uses it like kind of like weaponizes it. Yeah. Yeah. Uses it Um, a lot of the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I love, like I just love how she writes about them. I love the the relationship between these two girls. Like one of my favorite parts is it's in I mean the chapters aren't necessarily where we're like eighty two of the hardcover. No, yeah, eighty two of the hardcover book. Um, so uh, current Agnes is talking What's about that page number eighty two. Oh, sorry, I thought you were talking about chapters because the chapters are so short in this that I'm like, there could be eighty two chapters if I numbered them. Yeah, I was like realizing they weren't numbered. Um, but so modern day Agnes is talking about. I love how she talks about the whole geese and chickens and like when you realize why this is called the book. Like I just love that too. But um, she says two people who are constantly seeking experience rarely settle for each other. Mm-hmm. Two people enduring experience rarely meet in life. That's why Fabian and I were meant for each other. We were the perfect pair, one seeking all that the other could experience. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just such a lovely, sets up this lovely yin and yang kind of feel for them. Mm-hmm. So it makes, like, I never question, even if a Agnes does, why they're friends. And yeah. I never question Fabian's feelings for Agnes, despite whatever she says or her attitude or, like, mm-hmm. how inexplicably tied these two girls, like, they're... It's so real. It's so honest. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. There's another why they're quote, together. There was another quote that kind of like, I think illustrated that same tension between them, like positive tension or, or like balancing mm-hmm. of each other. It was the part later in the book where Agnes says that, um, Fabian like lives her life as if like everything's a minefield therefore nothing matters and so she just runs through it because she figures why not and then Agnes kind of lives in the world as in she's so like scared to take any kind of step by herself that she just stays where she is and like it's they're both kind of way of like dealing with what they've been dealt in life but they kind of by Fabian being kind of like so far off on the other end and then Agnes like so far on that end, they kind of balance and together they like meet each other in the middle and yeah, but it's, but yeah. it is interesting too, to think about like, um, I don't know, like the whole story of them writing this book together. Right. But then also yeah. kind of the ways that, Sometimes that like assumption that they make of each other mm. almost like holds there was there was a level of like feeling like there was a part of Agnes Agnes that was like kind of being held back or like the assumption that she couldn't do things 
because of I think, Fabian. Yeah. And it like and it's not like a malicious or bad thing, you know, but like no. I, I think about like how she's treated like she could never be creative and could never like come up with these stories or like write anything. But then when she's taken to Paris and she's like tested by these publishers of like, did you actually write this? Can you even write anything? And then she comes up with this like really interesting, cool thing that like proves that she can write. You know, but it was something that she doesn't even tell anybody because there was like this feeling that she couldn't do it. It's an interesting like level to to part of, I think, what complicates this like hoax that they come up with. Yeah, because in some ways, Agnes turns out to be the better like storyteller. Mm -hmm. Like she's she's better at figuring out what people want, like how she so when she's staying in the boarding school. She ate, which that's it, you know, interesting. So after they've gotten all this publicity and renown for their book, this woman who runs this British boarding school wants mm-hmm. to take, you know, Agnes under her wing and kind of basically she's just this like publicity pawn, which I also think was an interesting take because mm-hmm. as an author who's been in the world for a while with multiple published books, like some of this rang very true of like probably what that experience is like being a published published author and like having an you know, editor and what a, constantly like over your shoulder kind of thing well and just like the expectations and all of these different things yeah. and what the press is like but so this woman you know kind of takes her on as this little pet project and the point is and I, here's a journal and I want you to write about your time here it's basically like okay now write a book about your experience here mm-hmm. like this is what you and, should call it and I'll uh-huh. just do some minor tweaking um because you right. just suck at grammar but like who knows what changes she's actually making in it and yeah and it's like it was she actually was good at okay this is what she wants to write so I'm going to write this kind of story right this is what I want to write so I'm going to write this and then her and Fabian kind of continuing their writing by writing to each other and also Agnes writing to this like pretend suitor who is really Fabian writing in this different voice so that was interesting too all the different voices in this story you know and um how Agnes becomes kind of more the better storyteller but I didn't I don't know I get what feeling you're talking about when you said something about they seem like they're holding each other back Mm -hmm. I kind of interpreted it too as like it's showing it's obvious to see the inevitable decline of their friendship. I mean, yeah. you already know it ends right at the beginning because Fabian dies. Well, and so she we says already know that, that she hadn't talked to her for a long time. Right. And stuff. Like yeah. we already know that like, but then like the dying kills any hope, mm-hmm. right? Like there's no more possibility and they had moved away. So it hadn't been there for a while, but it's like, you can even see, even though they should be together, as Mm -hmm. friends it makes sense why they're friends and why they're important to each other it's also obvious there's no way that that can continue yeah like it's doomed it's like this doomed love story yeah and those are always so compelling but it's like it's doomed but they and it's so sad because you can tell how crucial they were to each other but there's no there's no way it could be a friendship like even just in how she describes them like one is constantly seeking experience and one like, you know, is enduring this, ex- like they yeah. can't live in the same world, even though they should get to. And it's like, there's not, there's big differences, but then they also come from the same world. That's the whole thing too, is like mm-hmm. the fact that one never gets to really leave or escape and one does. And I think that's heartbreaking too, because they should both, like, doesn't mean that Agnes doesn't, didn't deserve to have that life. You know, she deserved. Right. happiness but so did fabian well and it's interesting just like their like the hope that they had or lack thereof of like a future like even up until the end like the end end of the book when agnes Mm -hmm. comes back um she insists you know that they go to paris and that they leave live together and they never have to get married and they can just be together forever, right? And Fabian yeah. is just like, you dream big. Like, she says this all the time to Agnes. It's like, dream big. And it's almost kind of like a funny, like, snooty way of saying it. But it's also kind of like her trying to explain that, like, you're naive and this can't keep going. Like, we have expectations. But then it's also, like, weird that Fabian is like, we're going to have to get married. We're going to have to do this and that xyz when like the whole book she's all about 
she's been about like subverting people's expectations and like not really going in line with what people want this whole time. So yeah. it's well, I lo- interesting yeah. to see that kind of like battle between the two, but also like this inevitability of like this hoax that they, which again, like hoax, not really because they do come up with the story together. But For lack like, of a better term. Yeah, yeah. But like this, um, manipulation of the story i guess making like agnes out to be this like prodigy child when really this was something that they did together and the content of the stories was really by fabian um like that's part of what leads to this tension in their relationship and like it's inevitable like downfall like part of it is you know jealousy that they have like this almost like possessiveness of um Monsieur DeVoe, who is the postman and he is widowed and Fabian is like, we should go befriend him. He can help us write a book. And he does, you know, they're the f- first book that they write. He helps, helps them do it. And then he kind of like has this, um, he kind of, Agnes feels like he's in the middle of their relationship, right? And he, she gets, like, really yeah. possessive and really jealous about his involvement and his interactions that he has with Fabian and the ways that she does and does not treat him the same as Fabian treats Agnes. And that leads to tensions and her just, like, trying to just be what Fabian wants her to be, you know? But then she goes so yeah. far trying to just do what Fabian wanted her to do that that's part of why she loses her because she's going to the school and she's going to write more books and she's not coming home. And that's part of what leads to like Fabian being upset. And, you know, ultimately Agnes does come back, but it's, it almost like it's too late at that point. It's even though they still maintain friendship, but it's like, that's the end really. Yeah. The, the fissure has happened. Like it's the inevitability of it. Yeah. No, I all well said. Um, I I remember I wrote notes about like that idea of happiness versus contentment. mm -hmm. Like I think that's talked a lot about too. And just how maybe one represents, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, Agnes represents more that desire for happiness and like Mm -hmm. experience. And Fabian is more of being content because that's what like she's very well aware of the possibilities like yeah I mean that's one thing that's interesting thinking about Fabian as like the creator of these stories because I liked what you you know this this book I do think is a lot about like the urge and like importance to read fiction and that line between reality um and non-reality with fiction but also like this urge to not just read fiction, but like this urge to create and like, why do we write books? And like, why does anybody want to tell a story? And then this idea that like Fabian, like just has these stories in her and all of these like experiences that she hasn't actually had, but there's this, um, there's like the scene where earlier in the book where Fabian is like dictating to Agnes, the story that she wants her to write down and she really like starts embodying and it's almost like she's like possessed with this like woman's story and is speaking like this other woman and Fabian, but like Fabian doesn't have any desire to have acknowledgement of her influence or her impact on the creation. You know, she doesn't care for the fame. Um, she doesn't really seem to care about any of that. And I think that's an interesting yeah. too, because like I think so many of us do have these like creative outlets that we just feel compelled to do without any hope or expectation of anything necessarily coming out of it. And like great if it does, but also just like we just to create to create is like an interesting thing about this book and an interesting urge to think about as well. Yeah, I agree. I, I, it's, it was such a, like, affecting novel, but in very subtle ways, and just with such a good story, though, too. Like, yeah, the psychology of it is so interesting, but then it's, it's, it's not, like, hit you over the head esoteric, you know? Like, the mm-hmm. story is really good, and 
Um, I really liked the setting of it too. Me too. Like I loved this, you know, that it was France, but it's kind of in, you know, this more rural area and the time period, it's like, it's far back enough, but Mm -hmm. close enough too. Does that make sense? Like, Mm -hmm. and there's just such important, like that time period I think is really fascinating because of how different people look at it. And I think that it's kind of looked at, okay, well the war's over, like things are better now. Right. And then I think sometimes when you think of France, it's like, you think of, Oh, Paris, but like, no Mm -hmm. shit was hard and sucked. And like them writing about the horrors and how that's this real world, but other people have a image of maybe them or these girls or France that isn't real either. And it just keeps bringing up that idea of what is real and what is fiction that is so prevalent. I think destroys any of the arguments about why fiction isn't worthy. Like, Mm-hmm. But if you're saying reality is what you should be focusing on, well, fiction is just rea- is still reality, even though it's not in this world, it's its own reality. And I think this book points right. that out in such a just like, oh, okay, that makes perfect sense way for me at least. And I, I love agree that too. I think like the the letter writing is a huge part of that. So I I oh, always yeah, I felt that. like so there's this level to Fabian Fabian and um. Agnes's relationship that is very sapphic and like very intense and um and romantic in a lot of ways and like not explicitly but like there's like this part where they talk about when they were really like much younger that they used to kiss and they used to like embrace and like part of it was them again like playing and like yeah. They, it wasn't necessarily something that they were super conscious about. But then at the same time, like this jealousy that they have with other people, like people's involvement with them. And then um, this I, concept of like they just like especially on Agnes's part, she just wants to be with Fabian forever. And then they start this like extra level to their relationship where Fabian is writing to her as a friend and as a lover and the confusion that Agnes feels when she, when she reads these letters because she pictures Fabian, but like as a man, because that's easier, but it's still Fabian. And like the reason why it's romantic and the reason why it like matters to her is because it's Fabian and that's why it works. Um, And it's kind of like this, but she feels so conflicted because it's it's almost like Fabian is like battling also with her feelings and like her own personal issues and like criticisms that she of herself that she's aware of. And she kind of like talks shit on herself and these different aspects of herself through these letters, through these like characters kind of that she makes up. And I just love the way that that like comes to an end because like of that confusion that they have um and the conversation that they have about it, I want to try to find it. Um, there were, where they're talking about him and Fabian, basically this is after Agnes comes back. She makes up, they talk about Jacques as if he was real and Fabian talks right. about how him, he killed himself. He shot himself in the head and this is where he, bur- he is buried and they're in the cemetery, which is a place that they always hung out and um, would play together. And they talk about it, like it's normal you know they don't really like say anything about it but they do have this like real kind of argument about it where in one of the letters um in the letters from Jacques the Fabian but Jacques you know it it kept saying like I love you and I'm saving money and I'm gonna come to you and Agnes was confused by all of this like is this real like is Fabian gonna come here like what's going on so she never really responded to it but then like that hurts Fabian slash Jacques feelings right so like there's this almost like they're playing pretend but at the same time there's like this real feeling of like being in love with each other that they're trying to convey to each other and they're both confused about how to do it but also it's still like they're still they still felt that love it's like at the end it's 332 is where um Fabian kind of like comes at her about it um, and she tells she tells Agnes, remember, you wrote all those words to him. Was it because he was a boy so you could easily say those things to him? 
And then Agnes says, that was part of the game, wasn't it? I said, I had written those words to Jacques because he was Fabian, and yet he was not Fabian. Why did you love him when you could have loved me? She said, what does he have that I don't other than he's a boy and I'm a girl? But I had loved her all my life. I had loved her before we knew what the world was, what love was, and who ourselves were. But all these things I could not say. And like this, like that part just like kind of broke me because I was just thinking yeah. about how like fiction, well, like, no, Jacques is not real, right? But like, yet in this fiction that they created to each other, it was the only space where they felt that they could actually verbalize these feelings that they had for each other. And it, well, was, and it I, was really like the I, only space of like kind of reality almost between them. It's yeah. I mean, they both, I think, consider themselves soulmates. Agnes says that in the books, like she flat out yeah. says that she's her soulmate. Like she talks about, you know, Agnes is the more like palatable of the two to other people. And Agnes goes to school and Agnes mm -hmm. has the possibility of having other friends. And she's like, I'm nice to these people. There's no reason to not be friends with them. But like mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I just want to go and connect with Fabian basically because I've been separated from her all day. Like that's, she's my soulmate. And I think like Fabian feels the same way, but knows because she's not as palatable as Agnes because she has the home situation she has, which Agnes's isn't better necessarily. Like she has both of her parents and she has siblings older sisters that are married. She has a brother that's returned from the war. Who's basically like just dying. Yeah. And, and so like things are not like easier necessarily for Agnes, but it is a different situation. And Fabian knows, like she tells her, she's like, you know, Agnes is like, I want to be with you forever. Like we don't have forever. You idiot. Like right. we're going to get married because you're going to be able to attract someone to marry and kind of move up out of here in some mm -hmm. ways, or at least, have a new life because you have to, you can't stay here or not. And I'm going to have to, to survive. And this is what my life's going to be like. And we're not going to be able to have this. Mm -hmm. But if we have these stories, we have this, if you go out and experience this, like we have this together. And then also like they talk about possibly killing the postmaster right. and like Fabian brings up, like if we would have killed him, like, yeah, we would have ended up dying, but basically we would have ended up dying together. Right. Like we, we would have, have almost been frozen. Together. We would have been frozen in time yeah. at that time period when that happened. And then would have just been together in jail at the guillotine. Like all of these, like they never would have separated yeah. like they did. And like Fabian knew they would. And Agnes was too naive to know that it couldn't stay that way. Like it's right. just, it's this tragedy. Like it's just so sad and beautiful. I know. I love their relationship. And then I like, I love how, you know, Agnes is kind of like this, um, you know, she, because she leaves the school and she like doesn't write, they don't write anything else. Right. She's like this old forgotten child prodigy and it's just done. But like as she's an adult, she still gets approached sometimes by like biographers or like researchers and, and local historians who are like looking into this phenomenon of like the child prodigy and she like so her name comes up and stuff. But she's like never had has this urge to continue writing or co to continue doing anything until mm -hmm. Fabian dies. And then, like, this is what she comes up with. Like, this book by Yi Young yeah. Lee is by Agnes. You know, like, the whole yeah. thing is from, is her writing this and reflecting and trying to, like, freeze their story in time and to make it real again and make those experiences real. And also to kind of, like, keep, I think, Fabian with her. And, like, I love there's, there, I can't remember exactly where it was talked about but there's this section where she talks about ghosts and um I think it's yeah. because they hang out in cemeteries and so they would like Fabian would make up stories about seeing these ghosts and she'd like describe them to her and like they there were these specific ghosts in the cemetery that they remember that would do specific things when they were playing together as kids and then you know Agnes who is writing this whole story kind of reflects back on it in the next chapter and she thinks about how much she wants to see Fabian's ghost and 
like she just wants to see her and what would they say and like what would she do and yeah I I think like this whole book is kind of like in some ways Agnes is like reflection and and like almost feeling like they're back together again in a weird way and like like Mm -hmm. now she can write now she can do it and it it there's almost like this sense of like haunting but like in a nice way of yeah now that Fabian's gone she's frozen and now Agnes can like do this next thing and she can create this they like write down their beautiful story and yeah it's fiction no but, I, like it I love feels the, yeah. so real you know like it really feels so real yeah, I love when she talks like with her ghost. Like that's mm-hmm. kind of that was on eighty two. That was the same page where she was talking right. about like you know the two. And she says the summer. This is Agnes. The summer of nineteen fifty three was the happiest of my life. I don't know if Fabian would agree with me. It is too late to ask her. Though even if her ghost were next to me, what would I get out of questioning her? Mm-hmm. Happy Fabian's ghost might say, "How have you made yourself more of an? How have you made yourself more of an imbecile now, Agnes? Happy days, unhappy days." They are only days, one not longer than the other. We once thought of growing happiness, I would remind her ghost. Your happiness and my happiness. Two crops, remember? The ghost might dismiss that as a child's game. What's happiness, she might ask me. Happiness, I would tell her, is to spend every day without craning one's neck to look forward to tomorrow, next month, next year, and without holding out one's hands to stop every day from becoming yesterday. Um, And then... Like she says that she felt that kind of happiness, like yeah. with Fabian that summer, and just so sad and lovely and mm-hmm. and haunting. It like is a, it such is an haunting. appropriate sentiment for you know that she's having this conversation with this idea of a Fabian's ghost. I know, I love it, and then I like that. I I thought the ending was just also gorgeous i just you know yikin lee she can really write a sentence like she's just so she is so good um this book was such an easy read like as far as like you just kind of fly through it really quickly oh right i think i burned through this in two days i'm not even kidding you like i just didn't want to put it down right not and like because of the story but also the writing it just carries you it does like it's just so easy to keep going it's not a lot of work but it really immerses you yeah, yeah she's a great writer and then it's just beautiful like I found myself so many times just wanting to grab my highlighter and just like underlining it's a very quotable book you know but like mm-hmm. but not in a way where like I don't know sometimes sometimes you can read a book that's you know beautiful but it's only beautiful for like a quarter of the book and then it starts to feel flowery by the time you reach the end right and it like, can be too much it's too yes. much too too sweet too sweet yeah. exactly but like everything she puts in here is beautiful but also important and poignant and also like feels real like even though the these girls are having these really like nuanced and kind of complicated conversations about the lives that they lead and reality and what they're doing. They still speak to each other in the way that I imagine young girls to be speaking to each other. Right. Right. And I think that that is a real skill that, um, not everybody like can do well because this is still, you know, this is largely about like 13, 14 year old girls, but this feels like such an adult novel in so many ways oh, while yeah. still feeling real, like yes. to, to the way that they would be speaking that I just, I really am kind of just obsessed. I, th- I just think it's amazing. Yeah. I love this book. Um, let's see. What else did oh. I want to, I mean, I like marked and dog-eared a lot, but we've kind of already, we've kind of talked about it a lot, I, like, but I, I really, I just, I just love this. I want to read this one part because I just think it's gorgeous at the end. Just to just illustrate, I feel just feel like she ties everything together. Um, so she talks about like at the end what they wrote, you know, and she says a long time ago when the game of writing was only an idea, like the idea of growing happiness, 
Fabian said that we should write books together so people would know how it felt to be us. That I know now was the only mistake she made. What we wrote was about many things, but not about us. When the books were read by others, we were nowhere to be found. The real story was beyond our ability to tell. Our girlhood, our friendship, our love, all monumental, all inconsequential. The world had no place for two girls like us. Though I was slow then, not knowing that Fabian, slighted, thwarted, even fatally wounded, tried to make a fool of all of that world on her and on my behalf. Revenge is a story that often begins with more profit promises than the ending can offer. And I just like I love this this very like mature way that this book like looks back on them as kids and what they tried to do and what they tried to accomplish. And also this idea of like their story being like monumental and inconsequential. Like Yeah. it's amazing it's it's such a accurate and moving way to think about like relationships in childhood and like it kind of almost made me like think back on certainly I didn't I wouldn't say that I had any like relationships as a young girl that quite like fit like this but like they still impact you right and so like it's just interesting to think about these young friendships and the complicated like weird like retrospective way of looking at them and stuff yeah no I loved it I love that relationship that was a big part of it for me too I agree oh can we talk I mean, about just... her oh I'm sorry go ahead no go go for it can we talk more about um before we finish the episode um about her time at boarding school and yes Mrs. that is Townsend. a big section that we haven't talked yeah, we haven't talked much about that, and that's a big part of it. I I enjoyed this part. I wasn't sure I was going to like it as, like, once mm-hmm. Fabian wasn't, like, as much of actively in the book, I was like, oh, I don't know. But I really, I really liked it. I liked the take on it, and it was so, I loved her attitude there, Agnes's, and kind of, like, she's both open mm-hmm. to exploring, but also, like, has, it's not, it's like she's using it. Yeah. But not necessarily intending to use it. Like, I don't think she's being overtly manipulative, but like, she's still true to who she is and still has her tether to Fabian in mind and mm-hmm. what she wants. And I like how she handled it. I liked all the relationships there. And, and I think it made some really great points about, you know, what we do to children, what we do to mm-hmm. art, what we, you know, kind of just that uh, British colonizer attitude of, you know, mm-hmm. like reforming the provincial and um, mm-hmm. I thought it it had it just said so many things. And then it was also still I mean, who doesn't love a boarding school story? You know, right. like, right. like it's still also super interesting and soapy in that way. But like, I loved it. I did, too. I thought um, Mrs. Townsend was like heinous. Um, yes. The lack of horrible woman like the. It made me so uncomfortable reading about like this complete lack of privacy that Agnes had when she was there yes. and the way that, like that this woman was trying to tell her like who she can and cannot talk to and how so many people try to tell her that she cannot talk to Fabian or she cannot talk to in th- that case mostly Jacques who is still Fabian but like this fictionalized boyfriend that she has and just this like awful attitude that she's being treated with. But at the same time, you know, these people are telling her what to do and what to wear and who to talk to and what to write. But their livelihood is like banking on her creativity and like relying on her, but then they're controlling her. And it just, it's, it was, it felt like really surveillanced and kind yes. of bizarre but at the same time you know like uh, how cool would it be to kind of like have people have a vested interest in like you pursuing your creativity and like supporting that right so like saying oh like creatively like you need to go outside in the afternoons okay like you go outside in the afternoons like yeah. you know like that kind of 
it is it's a, like she was is, this kind of zoo creature yeah right and yeah. it's like yeah like i thought it was yeah it it brought up it raised up a whole host of things and like how she's treated is really horrifying and interesting at the same time and the relationship she forms with the landscaper and mm-hmm. like her kind of her desire to make connection i think was interesting to me too and like you know i think for they both of these girls wanted connection and they both use it in different ways and need it for different reasons or mm-hmm. but then also like fabian seems like opposed to the idea of needing connection but we all do right like all of mm-hmm. humanity we need to connect with other people and so it's interesting how they both search for that in different ways within their limits right and it's like we talked about how they're both manipulative in kind of like different ways but it's interesting to see how agnes manipulates people or more like just recognizes what she needs to do to give people what they want and then does it um but like she does it in like this weird kind of like loyalty to Fabian because she thinks this is what Fabian wants her to do. Right. So she like, she doesn't actually want to be here. She doesn't want to do this. She says multiple times. She has no desire to like write a novel or to continue doing this. Like this whole thing has been a game between them. And she talks about how she just wants to go home and play a different game. Like let's start a new game, please. And um, it's interesting to see how she kind of like, reads these adults and does these things to please them but it's not really to please them it's to do what she thinks Fabian wants her to do which is to go right. along with it or, or take advantage of the opportunity um until she just can't really take it anymore um i love that she leaves and that she just like never really abandons this sense of like still being that girl you know and like not she doesn't convince herself that she created the stories right like she rolls with it and she shows that she is capable and she is creative and she does like write and come up with like interesting things but I liked that you know she's still like totally fine with someday moving to Paris and being a secretary and just like living forever with Fabian. And I loved that, like that aspect, it like, it felt like it didn't really change her. And I liked reading about how everyone was trying so hard to change her. And she just like out of sheer stubbornness kind of like refused until she basically ran away. She's, she is like already set. Like it's like she got set to boarding school to be molded, but she is like a, like a finished product really yeah. already like, which I think was really interesting and done in a way that was like believable and um, made her a really interesting character, Mm -hmm. which sometimes I think sometimes reading about younger people, they're maybe not as interesting because there's not as much life experience, but there is so much life experience because of like who she is, what she's lived through, how she lives, you know? And I think Mm -hmm. it brings a good point to that of like, what makes someone interesting and what makes them capable of something, you know, it's this big Mm -hmm. deal that they're these girls from this small town in France. Like that makes it more, um, uh, remarkable. Right. That they could like, that's part of the shtick, you know, like, like, Oh, look what they can do. Or that they could see this issue or like point out these realities or something like, yeah, like it's, but it is interesting to think about how, it's still commodified and like when the photographers and the press like come to town, they don't want her dressed up. They, so they, they create these like fabricated picture shots basically to like show the reality of her life. But like, you know, she points out like I did more toys chores in those two hours while they were photographing me than I would do in like two weeks. Um, so it's not like really reality, but it's, it almost came off to me like the the way that people acted around her was like um, poverty porn um, where yes. people like feel really good about themselves because they're like highlighting an issue somewhere else in the world. But like really yes. it's just like for self-serving, you know, so, uh huh. Um, and that's how I kind of read the way that like the press and the people were excited about hers. Like they were just I agree. Totally taking advantage and like 
not sexually, but she didn't but like do it in like a it. yeah but she didn't do it in like a on like it was still very nuanced like there were still like yeah. the photographer that she meets like it, they're not all one note like she still gave those mm-hmm. characters some you know some layers to them i think she does her characters so well um even more minor characters i think are very well rounded and give you a really good sense of like yeah and they fit in very well i i just it's such a great novel i think i got distracted with some other books that i've received well because you know after this i read our next book and then i've just been distracted with some other ones and i kept (laughs) meaning to go back and read so i i'm just back on the hook again because like just re-talking about it because it's been like over a month and i just loved this book it was so good it was really good it was really good i'm so glad we read it it was a great pick yeah I loved this book. It was great. So if you haven't, hopefully you enjoyed our discussion and inspired you to read it because it's great. So go pick up the book of goose by Yi Yun Lee from your local bookstore or bookshop.org. And while you're there, pick up a copy of the furrows by Namwali Serpel. That will be um, what we'll be discussing in our next two episodes. I'm not quite sure how we'll break it down yet. Uh, You'll have to. Yeah. Cool. Sit on that, but we will be splitting it up. Probably just half it. Well, because there's two, there's two parts. We'll do probably part one yeah. in the first episode and then part two in the second episode. That's okay. exactly how I forgot that it was split up that way. Um, so yeah, I'm excited to discuss this too. It's, too. It'll be an interesting one to talk about. Um, anything else that we're missing? Um, no. I think we're good. I think we're good. I feel like, um, we, I okay. feel like we actually hit like all the points that I really felt strongly about reading that book I, so I feel like I we do want to say I've been so I've been loving I loved White Lotus season two I did not like season <gasps> I, one I haven't but I loved it. season two it's so good um watch it I'm loving Wednesday on I Netflix I loved Wednesday have you finished it loved 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 it I've binged the whole thing in like two days I've been make I've been having Kendrick watch it. So I've been getting to rewatch it with him. He likes it too. It's really good. It's so fun. Jenna Ortega is like God's gift to this earth. She is so good. She's such a good Wednesday. Yes. Um, I really liked her in like they're kind of hokey and I don't generally like these movies, but I really did like the last Scream movie quite a bit actually. They just like rebooted it. And um Jenna Ortega is one of the main characters in it, and she does such a good job. She's a very good, like, in campy horror stuff. Like, she just does a really good job. But I I really love that show. I really, 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 really hope that we get a season two soon. Oh, I'm praying for it. Yeah, I loved it. Um, also, so while I was in Hawaii, I read The Furrows, but then I also read mm-hmm. um, Octavia Butler's Wild Seed. Have you read much Octavia Butler? I have not. Love her. So she's um, a black female science fiction writer and she's amazing. I mean, she's no longer alive, but she was very, has tons of works out. And I read, I've read um, a short story or maybe it was a part of a story, but it's like forever ago. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why I haven't, I guess, I guess I'm not huge science fiction, but after we kind of have read some things over, I've been more open to, yeah, actually there is science fiction I like. And I've heard her, a lot she, of people like, and I'm not meaning to like diminish, she's, she's clearly her own person, but I've heard, I've heard people compare her a little bit to Ursula K. Le Guin, not necessarily in like the way that they write science fiction, but like their impact in science fiction is very like similar. Yeah, I would, as, I agree. Big big impact and I think it's just even more impressive because she's a black female writer so it's like she's got even what you know and great like the so the wild seed is not order wise the first one she wrote but it's basically the first book in kind of this trilogy she has Mm -hmm. and it was amazing I loved it I already ordered the other two but it's like basically it's like these two characters um Doro and I don't know how to pronounce her name correctly. I'll just, but in the female <laughs> and they're both basically like spirits. And Doro is basically kind of this like vampire. Like he Ooh. has to, he's the spirit that's been alive forever, but he inhabits someone else's body and he can change bodies, but he kills that person when he does it. And he has kind of some other abilities and he's actually, I recognize a lot of the, 
There's like a lot of mythology in it, like African mythology, which I recognize from some other novels that I've read. Yeah. Um, like Marlon James. So like kind of some similar ideas of these like spirits. And then she is not as old as him, but like an old spirit as well. And she can continue to keep herself young and like rejuvenate herself. She can transform into like looking like someone else, like white man. Mm -hmm. She can go as a pretend to be a white man. She can change into a dolphin. That's like, so she, she, and so they, he is attracted to her because he's kind of like setting up breeding special people, like people who have telekinetic abilities. He breeds with people who can like, you know, manipulate whatever. So kind of like, and it's set in the early, like late 1560 all the way through like 1740s. And so then he has like a colony of people on like the East coast of America, like during That's slavery. And it's like mixed and it's very Afrocentric. It's very feminist. It's super interesting story. It's amazing. You have to get it. It's okay. so, so, so good. Okay. okay. So you've convinced me already. Like every, everything you said, like that all sounds amazing. So I can't wait. It's such, such a good story. She's amazing. So I purchased more Octavia Butler on my gift card day after Christmas shopping spree as well. Well, I got a gift card or two for Christmas as well. So I know where I'm going to be spending it. Um, oh yeah. Easy, easy decision. Um, what have I, I feel like I honestly haven't watched a lot of stuff lately. What if Brian Bryce? Mm. I saw the new Puss in Boots movie with the kids. Was it, it was cu- actually was cute. It good? Was it good? It was cute. I liked it. I oh. was entertained. And I saw Strange Worlds with the kids and I liked that too. Did you watch um, the Glass Onion, the new Knives Out mystery? I'm So I'm making Kendrick watch the first movie tonight mm-hmm. and then watch the next one tomorrow because I cannot wait to watch that movie. It I is. was obsessed with the first one. I'm obsessed with Daniel Craig and I heard that this mm-hmm. one's even better. I think it is really good. I think it's really good. I think it's even funnier. Like there's a lot of funny aspects to it and it is it is really good. And I like what it like says. Like I I don't know. I just feel like there's a lot of cool critique in there and Daniel Craig is just so so good. I just want to have like that character just makes me want to like drink iced tea on like a porch. Like I just like, I love him. He's so fantastic. Yeah. Um, I love him too. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, That's my, that's my plan. Highly recommend. It's very good. Um, I'm trying to think if Brian and I've watched any shows. I feel like, no, I feel like I've been, we've been like really, I mean that not that that's like a bad thing that we haven't been watching a lot of TV, but I just feel like we've been, no, no, I feel like we've just not bad or good stuff. Um. Yeah, I want. Well, I, those are wrecks. But read the books before watch, you do the other stuff. But we need to watch good. White Lotus. I okay. I have a question. Do yeah. you yes. watch Yellowstone? I have watched the first like three or four seasons of it. I started off liking it a lot because I liked the aesthetic. Uh huh. And I like Kevin Costner. Hmm. Um, like I liked some of the characters, but I don't enjoy it anymore and have not watched this newest season at all. Well, so like people for the last like year, I feel like have just been talking nonstop about Yellowstone. Watch Yellowstone. Oh yeah. It's super popular. And Brian and I sat down and we watched like the first two episodes and I could barely get through the first one. I was like, this is awful. Everyone's awful. Why is everyone's first reaction to pull out a bunch of shotguns? Like, I can't watch this show. Like, I can't. And so we gave up on it. We gave up on it after two episodes. And I just, I can't. I can't do it. Yeah, I stuck with it. And I liked it for a good little while. I got really, but then I kind of started, like, like after the initial, like, oh, this is pretty. And yeah, this is fun. Like, it kind of wore off, and then I'm like, I actually don't like this. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Because, I, I mean, obviously the landscape's beautiful. Are you kidding? It's like Montana, so of course it's going to be gorgeous well, to like, and, look at. And I love, I mean, that's the thing I really love most about, like, cowboyish kind of movies mm-hmm. is honestly, this sounds stupid, like, the horses and the yes. riding of horses and the, like, what people do on that and the, and the scenery. Like, mm-hmm. I really like that vibe, but I don't usually love the stories like i can't really think of too many westerns where i'm like "Eh, yeah i really you know the cowboys Uh, right so 
but I, I was really into it and then, yeah, yeah I just lost yeah. it, but I know it's super popular. Well, yeah. Well, needless to say, Brian and I tried and we gave up on it. So, um, if anybody else tries to recommend it to me, sorry, too late. I've already made up my mind. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I kind of, I was like, oh, should I try again? And I'm like, no, I'm just going to be okay with, no, I'm not going to give into the like pressure to. Oh, you know what? You know what show I've been rewatching? I've been Buffy. rewatching. No, um, similar vein though. Um, I've been rewatching the Vampire Diaries. Okay. Anyway. Okay. Goodbye. You're such a shit. All right. I think we should end our podcast there. Um, hope you all, if you read the book, enjoyed it. If you didn't, go pick up a copy and get a copy of The Furrows by Namwali Serpel. Um, and we will talk to you guys next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.